0: What up, world? Welcome back to another Lockdown Blazers. I am Mike Richmond, your host and favorite basketball nerd. Maybe third favorite up there. Uh, coming to you live Monday night, the Blazers beat the not-very-good Cleveland Cavaliers in a game that uh, maybe, maybe they thought they had won it in 24 minutes, Nearly lost it in the next 16, and then won the game in about a two-minute stretch in the fourth quarter because the Cavs are really bad. And you can just, you can do it. It's possible. You can uh, you can beat a team that bad. But let's let's uh, get into a little bit of the details about this one. Blazers opened the game up 14-zip, scored the first 14 points. The Cavs did not score until there was just under seven minutes left in the first quarter after missing, I believe, the first seven shots. Definitely the first three threes. Uh, Kevin Love finally got them on the board. 650 left. 655 left in the in the first quarter. Um, this one looked like a rout. Blazers led by as many as 23. It's 71 points in the first half. This was a um, sort of just a celebration of how good the Blazers have been since the All Star break. C.J. McCollum was cooking. Uh, Dame wasn't. Damian Lillard still wasn't quite right, but they were just rolling a bad team. Uh, and then in the third quarter, the Blazers just looked like a team that thought the game was over. Uh, Gave up a ton of points. They started just giving up open threes and transition, and just um, they just did not have the juice necessary to compete in an NBA game. Uh, it is, it it happens. I like. I, I don't want to. I, I think maybe uh, when you look at a team play down to its competition or whatever you want to call it, you want to assign more meaning to it than it is. Like this one was only meaningful if the Blazers lose. Uh, if they win, it doesn't matter. The style does not matter. Um, that said, it wasn't a necessarily very heartening win. I don't think this was the kind of game where you look at it and say, "Wow, they're they're really at their peak." But like I said, I, I think this is totally meaningless as long as it's a victory. It doesn't the the style in which they pull out the win is entirely entirely meaningless. It's um, an an aesthetic thing. If you don't like the aesthetics, that's fine. But so after they are up by 23 in the fir- in the first quarter. Cavs come roaring back. My man, as I said, if you listen to the pod uh, that published on Monday morning, I said I liked Jetty Osman, uh, forward for the Cavs, second-year guy. Um, he can hoop. I like him. He can play. He 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 clawed the Cavs back into this one. Um, his layup with about just under five minutes left in the fourth quarter brought the game made it a three-point game, and all of a sudden it was like... Uh, lemon booty time for the Trailblazers. This was um, this was going to be, you know, I, I said this is meaningless because they won, and I, I I said it before the game. It's only going to be me- meaningful if they lose. This was looking like it was about to be meaningful for your beloved Pinwheels, but uh, the Blazers, like I said, they they tried to win the game in 24 minutes and maybe didn't play that well. Uh, after they thought they had already blown the game open, but they won the game basically in this two-minute stretch. Four minutes and 45 seconds left of the next two minutes or two and, a, two and a half minutes, basically. The Blazers hit five threes. They, they outscored the Cavs 14-zip. Uh fruka hit a three with two minutes left. It was 119-102, 17-point game, peace out, curtains. Uh, you know, they had to beat the Cavs twice. They had to blow them out twice, but uh, they did it. They, the Blazers got it done. Um, CJ McCollum was fantastic in this game, and we're going to talk more about uh, About CJ McCollum's busy weekend in Ohio, but the Ohio native, Canton, Ohio's own Glen Oak High School, uh, had 35 points, made 12 18 shots, seven of eight from three. He was incredible. He's just um, he's had a handful of these games. I feel like over the last six weeks, where um, when he's hot, he is insanely red hot. He kind of he he groups his good shooting night in together. Um, Obviously, some foul trouble uh, caused him. To uh, to maybe play a little less than he otherwise would have, um, you know. I think he would have. I think he might have. He might have. I mean, he still ended up playing his full thirty six, but um, uh, it, it was it got a little dicey there for a second uh, when the Blazers weren't scoring there in the third quarter at all. Um, other than CJ Damian Lillard continues to uh, struggle a little bit out of the All Star break shooting wise. Uh, he turned it on a little bit late when the Blazers need to win the game. He was there for him, but uh, he didn't. He started cold, and he's been cold the last three games. Just uh, it, this is usually when he and the Blazers have played their best over the last four seasons. He's not doing that right now offensively, uh, and the Blazers keep winning. So that's there's your glass half full. Look at it. Uh, this was a big one for Seth Curry. Five of five from three um, in 16 minutes. Uh, the bench didn't play super well for the for the Blazers, I didn't think. I, I, I didn't think uh, Lehman or Hood or Cantor, who've been really crucial um, over the last... Well, Cantor for, you know, whatever, less than a week. But uh, those other two guys, they've been crucial to this kind of turnaround. Or not even turnaround, just the way the Blazers have been playing. They've been a big part of, of their success as of late. Uh, I didn't think they played particularly well. I thought Mo Harkless had a pretty nice night. Nine points, eight rebounds. Uh, but, you know... Jetty Osman went and had 27, so uh, this wasn't exactly the, the uh, nobody on the Blazers was actually getting you know a bunch of credit for perimeter defense, but they just kind of, it, it was just a game where the Blazers were, were loafing it in the, in for a stretch, and it nearly cost them, but uh, lucky for them when you're playing the 14-47 Cavaliers, you can literally win the game in 120 seconds. Um, like I said, uh, CJ McCollum had a really busy weekend uh he is Canton Ohio native and uh the Blazers so you know, being back in Ohio he's with family blah blah blah. But before the Blazers went to Ohio they were in uh Philly and he went to high school in eastern Pennsylvania at Lehigh, just outside of Philly and I believe Bethlehem PA. Uh might have to look that one up but uh off the top of my head. And they retired his jersey at uh at Lehigh. Um it was, CJ kind of made his na- a name for himself in the NCAA tournament, obviously that win over Duke, and Seth Curry, your boy! Uh, one of the sort of classic highlights has of CJ McCollum's early, co- or college career sort of breakout game is saucing Seth Curry. Um, something that I would wager they don't talk about. Um, but uh, that got me thinking about other players in uh, Blazers sort of recent history, um, and, and, and Blazers' all-time history have had their jerseys retired. So uh, in the next segment, I want to talk a little bit about retired college jerseys, uh, what it means, why it was meaningful for CJ. He, he talked to the, some reporters about that, and, uh, and uh, a little bit of trivia in the retired jersey world. But uh, before we get to that, I want to encourage you, if you are someone who has a commute, I have a plan for you to improve your commute. Get into your car and tell your smart speaker, Play podcast Lockdown Blazers. That is a perfect for your, I don't know, 22 to 27-minute commute to work or wherever you might be commuting to start your day. Hit up Lockdown Blazers. Tell your smart speaker, play podcast Lockdown Blazers, improve your drive, improve your day. Tell a friend. Enjoy it. So in the spirit of CJ McCollum getting his jersey retired by Lehigh University, I uh, I, w- I went down the rabbit hole of uh, Blazers players who had their jerseys retired, uh, which Blazers college jerseys you can no longer wear, so we'll get to that in a second, but I, um, if, you s- if you haven't seen the photos, uh, Trail Blazers team photographer Bruce Ealy is traveling with the team for this road trip, and that is a blessing for all of us, because Bruce is as talented as they possibly could be. Um, chances are, he is better at his job than you are at yours. But uh, he took some really fantastic photos from that uh, from the jersey retirement ceremony. You could see how um, meaningful it was to to, to McCallum. It's tears welling up in his eyes during the ceremony that included both his parents and his fiance, his college roommates, some of his former teammates at Lehigh were there. Um, so it, uh, if you haven't checked those out, uh, they're on Trailblazer's website and floating around social media. Um, but they're some they're, um, you know they're they're nice photographs of of a, of a special moment. Uh, CJ McCollum is the third Blazer to have their jersey honored at their cur- current Blazer to have their jersey honored at their Alma Mater. Uh, National Player of the Year uh, Evan Turner has his jersey. Uh, Ohio State doesn't uh, retire numbers, but his jersey is honored in Columbus by the Buckeyes. And Damian Lillard, uh, two years ago, had his jersey, number one, retired at Weaver State. But I went a quick look through, and there's some fun trivia just looking back at jersey numbers you cannot wear. Uh, you cannot wear double zero at UConn anymore because Cliff Robinson had his jersey retired there. Uh, at the University of Minnesota, you cannot wear number 43 because former Blazer number one overall pick, Michael Thompson, had his jersey retired. You can't wear 25 at Longwood University because Jerome Kirstie had his number retired there. Uh, you can't wear a... Brandon Roy 3 at Washington because B-Roy had his number retired. You can't wear uh, Clyde Drexler's jersey at the University of Houston because Clyde the Glide had his jersey retired. Uh, you can still wear number 30 at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill because Rasheed Wallace, while his number is hangs in the rafters, is honored but not retired, much like Evan Turner, um, UNC uh, is like the most, they're the Blazers of, of uh, Jersey retiring. They're the most Jersey-hanging school there could possibly be. they got about 50 up in the rafters. Um, only eight of them are retired. Sheet is not one of them. got to win National Player of the Year for that. Speaking of National Player of the Year qualifications, LaMarcus Aldridge, his jersey not retired at the University of Texas, and, it, and I guess it never will be. Uh, T.J. Ford, Kevin Durant, jersey numbers retired because they were National Players of the Year or... Uh, Player of the Year voted by one of the major media services. LaMarcus didn't have that happen, so uh, despite being, I believe, Big 12 Defense Player of the Year and, and uh, a star in his own right for Longhorns, it's gonna go, that one's going to stick with TJ Ford. Um, other fun things that I, I couldn't find, whether uh, Terry Porter's jersey is retired at... Uh, University of Wisconsin Stevens Point, UW Stevens Point. Um, I'm gonna guess that it is, but they just uh, don't. I couldn't find it quickly in my uh, research for this little segment. But here's the most fun thing I came across uh, for this. Uh, before we get into talking about things that actually happen in the basketball court, but I want to I want to change things up here for for just a little bit. Larry Steele, jersey retired by the Blazers. Um, like I said, the Blazers are the most uh, jersey retire happy group you could possibly, they're the, they were the one of the first teams to retire multiple Jersey numbers. Um, they, there's just a certain era of blazer in the seventies that was guaranteed to get their jerseys retired. Dave Twardzik, Lloyd Neil, Clyde Drexler, uh, or sorry, Drexler's much later, but, um, Lionel Hollins, obviously Bill Walton, uh, but Larry Steele, who had his, uh, who was part of that championship team, uh, Went to the University of Kentucky, where his jersey is not is neither honored nor retired, for UK, and yet his jersey hangs in the rafters in the Moda Center. Uh, so I found that to be incredibly special and a real testament to how f- goofy the Blazers are with, um, you know, retiring jerseys. They've got two thirties up there. That's all you need to know. Um, so yeah, Larry Steele. Uh, I- <laughs> An above-average SEC player and a retired number in the NBA. Uh, hit me up with the. Um, I know there's like a there's a debate about which uh, which uh, Blazers jersey should be retired next. There's some talk about Brandon Roy, although I think that'd be a little bit bizarre. Um, I know that according to Sean Heiken of Bleach Report and a couple other places, he says that Scalabissiere, when he joined the Blazers, attempted to get number seven. But uh, the team kind of declined to give it to him and instead gave him number 17 at Davis's old jersey, not B. Roy's. I assume, sort of, how that works is that if someone a little more prominent wanted to wear number seven, the Blazers would reach out to Brandon Roy and get his permission. Or if this, you know, if they had a um, sort of like a young hotshot Damian Lillard level rookie who wanted to wear seven, they would just say, hey it's time. Um, but, so I'm, I'm not of the campus that says retire Brandon Roy's number, but this is my long way of asking you. Tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich, let me know uh, which Blazers jersey number should come down from the rafters, and whose number are you putting up there. Let me know. Uh, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter, or uh, if you see me on the streets, you can just yell some jersey numbers at me, and I'll know what you're talking about. All right for the uh, third segment of the day I want to talk about the Blazers really big week ahead they got two games on national TV Uh, I think I've spent the last three game previews trying to convince you that games are big that a game against the Brooklyn Nets was important that a game against the Joel and beadless 76ers are was important and a game against the very terrible Cleveland Cavaliers was important but I'm not going to do any convincing this time Uh, national TV has spoken for me the Blazers play the Celtics and Raptors this week. Both games going to be on TV. Both games going to be in front of the national audience. We'll talk about those two big matchups in our next segment. All right. So the Blazers started off this road trip three and O, but they've still got four remaining uh, before they get to a Charlotte Memphis uh, end to this road trip. The Blazers have to go through two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, this is not. Uh, ideal time to be playing the Boston Celtics, who the Blazers face on Wednesday night. Uh, the Celtics are coming off a beatdown at the hands of the Chicago Bulls. Um, not anyone's. Uh, it just uh, you know, the Bulls are bad. is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's a bad loss, no matter how, how you slice it. Celtics, who sort of were supposed to be this. I don't know if juggernaut is the right term, but they're supposed to be a really. They were supposed to be. Uh, you know, a championship level team, and now they are sort of teetering on, uh, home court advantage, um, in, in the Eastern Conference playoffs, uh, they're currently fifth, uh, a game and a half out of that, um, home court advantage sp- spot, and, 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 quite frankly, them being in fifth is, is as surprising as any story in the league, at least for some people, uh, particularly when you consider where Indiana is without Victor Oladipo, but I digress, um, why this is a bad time to play the Celtics. Well, it's it could be it could be worse, but they're coming off that terrible loss. You know they're going to want to bounce back, but luckily for the Blazers, they'll get an extra day off and the Celtics and Raptors, their next two opponents actually play. Celtics play on Tuesday night in Toronto. So, um, they'll even though they'll be, have a home game against the Blazers, they'll be on a second night of a back-to-back. Uh, so, that's working in their favor the thing that isn't working in their favor that i've been i've been trying to get to is that the the celtics are just in a bad spot right now their coach is telling uh jay king of the athletic i'm disappointed in myself and i've got to do better uh kyrie irving is in between cryptically not saying that he's uh where he's going to go in free agency and yelling at reporters he's saying that he's not worried about this team because i'm still here Um, The type of thing that you say when you're struggling and you don't have a real reason for confidence. Uh, But, like I said, why it's a bad time to play the Celtics because they're pretty good. They're a borderline top ten offense. They're one of the top five defensive teams in the league. And despite all their struggles, they have a ton of talent. Obviously, they don't always put it together. It's been more about consistency than anything else. But, uh... They're, just, they're in a rut right now, and the Blazers, um, you just don't want to be that team that breaks a streak. You do not want to be a team that plays them uh, and sort of lets them get right. <laughs> I, I, I just... Uh, um, you know, I, I think you'd, you'd like... You want the Celtics to have a nice, um, just momentum-wise, if you're someone who believes in that, or just juju-wise, you'd like them to play well against, against the Raptors. Um, you know, get take their sort of anger out on another team, um, because if they come and lose with, an, a, you know, back-to-back losses, a bad loss against Chicago, and then a bad loss against this another Eastern Conference contender, uh, this that's the kind of sort of uh, streak buster, lo- losing streak buster type of performance that you can, uh, that you can, you don't want to catch up with. Uh. But, um, you know, that's, it's, uh, it should be a really fun game. Uh, like, I, like I said, I don't need to convince you this is important. Uh, the Blazers, you know, they're they're ahead of their forty nine win pace from last season. Uh, they're obviously they have some warts still, but they, they're playing about as well as they have. Um, it's uh, certainly with three straight road wins, it's hard to bicker with anything they've been doing. They've, they're playing about as well as they have, even if they kind of punted a third quarter against a bad Cavs team. Um, They've already beaten the Celtics once this year. Um, that was back in November, but uh, the reason this is on national TV is it's a marquee game. I think this is a good measuring stick. Um, I don't think it's. I'm not someone who believes in must-win games or how sort of important uh, testing yourself against good teams are, but I, 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 I do think, um, I do think there's some value for the Blazers. Who uh, just even as even while they're winning they haven't been they haven't had these moments where they're clicking on all cylinders and they certainly haven't had moments where their defense looks really good for 48 minutes. They're going to play two two very good teams over the next four days uh, and th- sort of regardless of the outcome, th- them testing themselves against uh, really good competition or at least p- playing against really good competition will give you an idea of sort of where they are. I've written. Uh, for NBC Sports Northwest recently that this their whole season is defined by what happens in the playoffs I where they finish the regular season really matters for their chances in the playoffs I certainly believe that they're gonna need home court advantage Um mean you probably want one of those uh, top three seeds even though those are gonna be tough to come by so you really want to finish fourth or above if you're if you're Portland to have a have a legitimate shot but Can this team against elite competition get enough stops to win? And can this team against elite competition score when teams take away Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, and particularly Damian Lillard? Can can they get enough offense from the other nine guys who are going to play, or eight? uh, You know, depending on whether um, Stats goes uh, nine or ten deep. But can they get enough guys, enough offense from not non Lillard guys to beat a really good team? Can they get enough stops, consistent stops against you know high level offenses? or at least sort of uh, top ten type offenses in the league, uh, to be right there. I think this, these next two games, I don't know if they're going to show you what the Blazers' chances are, blah, 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 in the playoffs, but they're certainly going to tell you if these first three games were just them taking advantage of, uh, you know, playing well against the Nets, taking advantage of a shorthanded Philly team, and, and, and beating a bad Cavs team. Just kind of, you know, this is, this is a TCB type game, so those are good, good wins, but these would be really impressive wins, Um, I don't think there are really meaningful losses. I don't think you say if they go 0-2 over these next two games that this is sort of dams them for their playoff hopes. Um, but it'll, it'll certainly be interesting where they land. Um, I think, uh, the, the Celtics are big enough to kind of with, with Baines and Horford, um, and if Robert Williams plays, uh, to to bang with um, Yusuf Nurkic and 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 a um, it's a lot of these sort of Celtics games in the last year have been the uh, Kyrie verse Dame show. I hope we get another one of those. The Blazers lost a a heartbreaker in Boston last year where they played really really well and then blew it late. Um, so they've had some fun games against this team. I think this should be another one. Uh, we I might get another pod up before then, but if not, I will have a reaction right after that game and a preview of the Raptors game as we move forward this week. I um, appreciate you guys listening to me. Uh, I know that a lot of people have been uh, on me about my audio quality. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping this this is a little bit better. I had some tech issues, but I think I've sorted them out. Um, like I said, like I always say, hit me up on Twitter, at Mike Rich. Uh, hopefully I'm going to get an e- email up soon so we can do some mailbag-type pods in the future. Uh, like I said, hope to have Jason Quick on later this week, depending on our schedules and whether they align. But uh, let me know what you like, what you don't like. Keep listening. Uh, you know, download us wherever you get podcasts at. We're on Google Play, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts. Rather, uh, you you can hit us up. Always there. Uh, if you do me a favor, give me a uh, if you're on um if if you're on the Apple Podcast app, give me a five star review and uh, you know and hook your boy up. I would really appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening, and I will talk to you really soon.